Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. This week, cities across China were hit by the worst sandstorms in over a decade. But while the skies might be dark and turbulent, we will always deliver the most important business news with a smile. We have stories of new U.S. restrictions on Chinese tech companies, new rules governing foreign nationals trying to enter the country, and the Chinese company that successfully took an American government agency to court and won, at least temporarily. Here's everything you need to know about China and the world of business this week. The Chinese embassy has called for an end to the violence in Myanmar after a number of Chinese-invested businesses and factories came under attack by protesters. The Chinese embassy to Myanmar urged the Southeast Asian country's government to take effective measures to stop violence and punish attackers after a total of 32 Chinese-invested companies were attacked, causing damage in the amount of about 240 million yuan and leaving two Chinese employees injured, according to Chinese state media reports. Most of the targeted companies were textile and clothing factories. Most of the targeted companies are textile and clothing factories, located in the Shuilin Ban Industrial Zone in the northwest of Yangon, the country's largest city and its former capital. Huawei Technologies and surveillance equipment maker Hikvision Digital Technology were among five Chinese companies named to a new blacklist published by the U.S. telecoms regulator. The Federal Communications Commission said the five were deemed a threat to national security, the other three companies on the list were Telecoms Equipment Maker ZTE, Hytera Communications, and Dahua Technology. The publication of the list was aimed at, quote, restoring trust, end quote, in U.S. telecoms networks, FCC Acting Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel said in a statement accompanying the announcement. While more Chinese companies face being blacklisted in the U.S., Bloomberg reported that a federal judge in Washington has blocked the Defense Department from restricting U.S. investment in the Chinese smartphone manufacturer Xiaomi. The Defense Department had previously placed Xiaomi on a list of companies with alleged links to the Chinese military, triggering financial restrictions that were scheduled to go into effect this week. 
But on Friday last week, U.S. District Judge Rudolph Contreras put a temporary halt to the ban, siding with Xiaomi in a lawsuit that argued that the move was arbitrary and capricious and deprived the company of its due process rights. China's factory gate prices rose at their fastest pace in more than two years in February, driven by an increase in global commodity prices, official data showed last week. The producer price index, which gauges changes in the prices of goods circulated among manufacturers and mining companies, rose 1.7% year-on-year last month. The figure marks the highest increase since November 2018 and exceeds the median estimate of a 1.5% rise by a Taishin survey of economists. New figures show China's exports surged in the first two months of the year, fueling a buying spree of cargo ships and containers. The world's major shippers have rushed to cash in on the increase for freight along routes in the Pacific, buoyed in part by strong exports from China, according to global shipping service provider Clarkson's. As of March 1st, global shipyards had received orders for 66 new container ships so far this year, representing 2.45 million in revised gross tonnage and driving up the total demand for containers to 530,000 20-foot equivalent units, TEUs, at a cost of over $4.6 billion. In the last week, China announced it has just gotten easier for foreign nationals to enter the country following the restrictions imposed because of the pandemic, as long as they get a Chinese vaccine first. At the time of recording, China said it will ease visa application requirements for foreigners seeking to enter the Chinese mainland from a number of countries and territories, including the Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, Japan, and Hong Kong, if they have been inoculated with COVID-19 vaccines made in China. The new rules will cover three groups of foreigners, including foreign nationals and their family members visiting the mainland of China to resume work in certain fields, people entering for emergency humanitarian needs, and holders of valid Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, or APEC, business travel cards. And finally, people across northern China woke up to fierce winds and orange-tinted skies on Monday as some of the most severe and widespread dust storms for years disrupted transport and sent air pollution soaring. Weather officials in a string of cities, including the capital, Beijing, warned of reduced visibility as air quality monitors surged to their maximum possible readings. Dust storms are not common, but not unheard of in Beijing, especially in the spring. Monday's storm followed several days of heavy air pollution. As our listeners are doubtless aware, the capital just hosted China's most important annual political gatherings, the Two Sessions, or Liaohui, during which the nation's leadership gets together to map out all sorts of policy blueprints, and especially the new five-year plan. To help us get a clear idea of key policy developments related to the economy, we've invited Caixin Global's Economic and Finance News Chief, Lin Jinbing. Jinbing, welcome to the show. Hi, Kaiser. Great to be here. Thanks for joining us, Jinbing. So something that's been popping up a lot in the news is this idea of a new development pattern. Is that right? Yeah. So very interestingly, our Chinese side colleague, macroeconomic news editor Yu Hairong, recently interviewed a top economist called Yang Weiming. And I think it could be helpful for China watchers to reflect on this interview to get a better understanding of the country's economic policy trends. 
and I should add that there are also big reasons why we should be paying attention to what this economist says. Yang is a deputy director of the Economic Committee of China's top political advisory body, and he used to be one of the key figures in the country's top economic policy-making body, serving as a deputy director of its general office, which is led by Vice Premier Liu He. One point he stressed in the interview was about how to understand President Xi Jinping's strategy to build a new development pattern. Great. So, what exactly is meant by this phrase "new development pattern"? Well, it's a pretty big concept, but there's one example that might make it easier for us to understand the idea. China's economy has long relied on investment and exports. And having consumption play a bigger role in the economy is all part of the efforts to build a new development pattern. Yang said that one measure for China to expand consumption is to push for human-focused urbanization, making it easier for hundreds of millions rural migrants to get urban residency. Doing so has three benefits. On the production side, it can increase the number of hours that workers work over their lifetimes. On the income side, it will help migrants build a lifelong career, moving to the middle-income class, and increase their total lifetime income. And on the expenditure side, it will increase consumer spending among migrants, thus supporting the expansion of consumption nationwide. So, given these critical benefits. This is all definitely worth paying attention to. So, I guess China's current urbanization is not exactly human-oriented. Is is that correct? <laughs> I would say it's fair to say so. During the rapid urbanization of the recent years, China's local governments have focused more on urban construction rather than on making it easier for rural migrants to get residency where they work. But without much money in hand. Governments have accumulated a large amount of implicit debt. To pay back the debt, they have to sell land at high prices, which in turn drives up housing prices. And it's worth noting that both the real estate and the finance sectors have put pressure on residents' consumption, because more and more people are burdened with high mortgages and have to reduce spending on other products and services, and so. The new five-year plan calls for efforts to balance finance and real estate with the real economy. China has been pushing for rebalancing away from investment-led growth and, and boosting consumption for quite some time now,、um, at least fourteen or fifteen years,、uh, if I can remember correctly. But the, it hasn't been entirely successful so far. So, how is this approach going to stimulate consumption further? Well, according to Yang, on the demand side, the first task is to expand household spending. The income of residents needs to grow faster than that of the government or corporate sectors. The second is to reduce pressure on consumption, which mainly refers to preventing housing prices from rising faster than residents' income. From the supply side. China should improve the supply of consumption-based industries. Currently, there are many industries that rely heavily on imports to meet the demand of consumers, which means the domestic supply is insufficient, and in turn impedes the expansion of consumption. 
And these industries include cars, cosmetics, medical equipment, and agricultural products. In addition to boosting consumption, were there other significant things that Yang had to say? Sure.、Uh, I'd like to recommend our listeners read the English version of the interview on caixinglobal.com for more details. And that was translated by my teammate Luo Meihan. Okay, thanks for joining us, Jin Bing. Thanks. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Andini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Hear stories from Caixin Global, SubChina, and many other China-focused outlets on the new China Stories podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.